today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Your heart is hardened and your neck is stiffened, then okay. And he gives them all the tools. And when that happens, you can be so full of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, but proportionate to how you fill yourself with that, you will be lean, starving in your soul. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Don't seek after the desires of the flesh. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you to seek after the things of the Spirit. God allows free will, but His best path is to follow after Him. If you desire to be stiff-necked and go your own way, He'll allow it. However, you will not be satisfied apart from Jesus. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. A hundred children? Well, it's of course figurative because in that culture, in that day, and it's really much the same today in the Middle East, you, your wealth, your stature, your prominence, your prosperity is not gauged by what you do for a living, but by how many children you have. You know, in the Middle East, you don't ask somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? That's code for, how much money do you have? <laughs> uh, you know, what do you do for a living? They don't ask you that. They ask you this, how many children do you have? That's the gauge. That's the litmus test. So Solomon is talking about a full life, and certainly a hundred children would do that and accomplish that. And so not only a full life with a hundred children, but a long life and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but, oh, you know it's coming, his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or it gets worse. Indeed, he has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better than he. And here's why. For it comes, speaking of the stillborn child, in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. This is very dark, right? (laughs) A lot of darkness here. Verse 5, though it has not seen the sun or known anything, this has more rest than that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice. That's 2,000 years, right? So he's contrasting this man that has a hundred children and a long life, 2,000 years, comparing it to the stillborn child that lives only minutes. But this man who lives a thousand years twice, but has not seen goodness, do not all go to one place. What is Solomon saying here? Well, he's basically saying that you can have all of this outward fullness, 
but yet have inward emptiness. I mean, you, you look at this guy, and outwardly, because man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. So man looks at the outward appearance, and he sees all of these children, all of this wealth, and here's this man living this long, prosperous life, and outwardly you would think, wow, he must be so fulfilled. And on the inside he is dying, and wishes in fact that he could die like that stillborn child, because it would be better to be that stillborn child, and not live that life, and come to the end of that life, and have it come to naught. You know when you, as it's been said, climb the ladder of success in life, only to find out that when you get to the top, the ladder was up against the wrong wall. And it's just this, and sometimes it it takes that to realize that. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, as a pastor over the years, I've had occasion to be at the bedside of many, a person who was taking their last breath in this life and their first breath in eternity. And I tell you, it's a sobering, introspective time, obviously, I think, for what would be deemed obvious reasons. And as I've gotten to know people, as is my privilege to be able to get to know people over the years, and then here they're coming to the end of their life, and there's always that regret, that, that sorrow, that, man, if I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done it differently. And I have yet to ever talk with anyone at the end of their life who has ever said to me, I wish I would have spent more time working. I wish I would have spent more time working, laboring, making more money. It's the opposite. And I think this speaks to what we refer to as workaholism. I'm just... Why did I go there? Because I'm really convicted now. (laughs) But maybe we need to talk about this just for a moment. It's that that painful toil and labor. My wife today said, hey, I need to get you out of, you know, seven days a week, you know, just all hours of the day and sometimes into the night. And it's a joy. I mean, I'm not complaining. I dare not complain, because later on uh, we're going to see what happens to people who complain. But she just said, hey, why don't we just take the day tomorrow and maybe get out, and I need to get you out of here. You know, I, th- <laughs> I said, wow, do I look that bad and that mad? You know, I, I picture that, you know, uh, that professor that's, you know, the hair's going all over the place. And well, of course, that's not a problem for me, but, you know, just kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of losing this. He's like, I need to, you need to get out. Because all she said, all you do is you go from your office here in the home to the church and back. Said, no, that's not true. I try to go out to get spicy ahi pokey every once in a while, but but no, let's 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 go out. So we're we're actually planning. Uh, we haven't done this in what year is this? <laughs> well, basically ever since this whole thing started back in uh, March, and um, it's good. You know, it's a sharpening the saw. You've heard that illustration that if the saw is dull, it takes so much more work 
to cut down the tree, but if you take that saw and you sharpen it, then you go to cut that tree. It is so much sharper and it's so much quicker and takes so much less work to do. So I'm, by the way, none of you need to hear this. This is for me tonight. So I'm, the preacher is being preached to right now. But um, it is, uh, uh, it is a thing, if I can say it like that, where there is this working, this toiling, this laboring, and you get to the end of your life and you look back on it and it can just be devastating when you realize, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm empty. It, it has not satisfied me. And Solomon, again, is trying everything. He's trying to do everything he can to be satisfied under the sun, absent God. Well, Lest I get even more convicted, let's move on to verse 7, because I want you to be convicted now. So (laughs) he goes on to write, All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, we we can, we, we try to feed the flesh, and we end up starving the spirit. You know, uh, when I was a young believer, I could never quite understand what it meant to walk in the spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What, what does that look like? What, what, what does that mean? What, what's the application? Okay, so walk in the spirit, what, what does that mean? And what the Lord ministered to me was this, that it's being so busy in the spirit that you have no time for the flesh. You're you're feeding the Spirit, and you're starving the flesh. But see, here's the problem. We feed the flesh, and then we end up starving the Spirit. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is what Solomon is talking about here. You know, you can have this leanness of soul, In your soul, spiritually, you can be famished, yet physically full. Here you eat, you work to eat, you labor so that you can put food on the table, and all of that labor can leave you unsatisfied in your soul at the soul level. You remember that account in Numbers 11? where the Israelites, well, it's actually the mixed multitudes, which is interesting in and of itself. The mixed multitudes being those Egyptians who left Egypt with the Israelites. That was a problem, because they had undue influence on the Israelites. So here they are in the desert, and how is God providing for them? Oh, He's bringing bread, manna from heaven, and it's there every day, as much as they need. And for those who, you know, the misers, the miserable misers that tried to gather more, you know, just stockpile more, turns into maggots the next day. Why? Because God wants you to trust Him tomorrow for tomorrow, not today. He will give you today's manna today. You know, the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples to pray, when they asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. We've seen how 
powerful prayer is in your life. We want some of that. (laughs) So will you teach us to do that? So he says, you know, what we affectionately refer to as a Lord's Prayer is really our prayer. But there's that, that one part where he says, give us this day our daily bread. See, that, that goes against my flesh because my flesh wants certainty. It's more like this, give me this day my monthly bread. So I know it's there. So I just, just you know, just, I know it's there and okay. Oh, oh, well, wait a minute. What if I want you to, by faith, trust me tomorrow for tomorrow? not trust in that, what you've kept aside. So now you're putting your trust in that. So you're provided for, so I'm going to make a turn to maggots. So you learn to trust me. So here's the Israelites, and they're getting sick of manna, because the mixed multitude started planting seeds in their ears like, man, this is your God, that all He gives you is manna? I mean, it's just manna, manna burgers, manna cotti, manna, manna this, manna that. We want meat to eat. We want flesh, not this manna. And so the Israelites started crying out. It's kind of interesting because it's like selective memory. Oh, those were the days when we were in Egypt. We ate the fish and the leeks and the delicacies and oh, those were, oh, to be back in Egypt. Like, you were slaves, man. What are you talking about? What, what, what buffet were you at? We were eating bricks, if you, if you recall. And so they're, they're complaining and murmuring against the Lord. And, their voice reaches the ears of Moses and God. But let's talk about Moses first. I I would really encourage you, Numbers chapter 11. Man, that would make a great movie. I mean, it it is so, it is, uh, (laughs) so here's Moses. He is so angry so discouraged, so frustrated. This was what he says to God. What did I do to deserve this? These are your people. There's another account where God and Moses are going back and forth. They're not my people, they're your people. No, there's not. It's kind of like the the mother and the father going, that's your son. Uh, No, it's your son. That's from your side of the family. But anyway, and, and they're going back and forth about who you know, and, and here's Moses saying, what did I do to this? Are you mad at me? I did. These are not my people. I did not give birth to these people. These are your people. Why are you punishing me? What did I do? Why are you angry with me? They're killing me. Now, it's in the text. I encourage you to read it. Here's an interesting detail. Moses is literally, not hyperbole, He is literally at the end of himself, and he asks God to kill him. That's how bad it is. Oh, no, for real. It's not, again, hyperbole. He's he's like, will you please just put me out of my, I can't take this anymore. These people are killing me. 
Like you have to understand, in all fairness to Moses, he has led them out of Egypt. They've seen the Red Sea part. They walked on dry land. And then they witnessed the Egyptians being drowned in the waters when they were pursuing the Israelites. They've witnessed a, a rock bringing forth water. They've witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle. They have never been in want. They've never died of thirst. They've never died of hunger. And repeatedly they're complaining, were there not enough graves in Egypt? God had to lead us out here to kill us. So God says, Moses, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Just take a deep breath. I, I probably need to take a deep breath here too. <laughs> All right, here's what we're, <laughs> we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to anoint others to kind of take, because clearly the burden is too great for Moses. It's crushing him and it's killing him. So God says, okay, we're going to take care of it. I, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to give them meat to eat, because they're, they're not satisfied with the manna. They're complaining about the manna. So I'll give them meat to eat. If that's what they want, fine. I'll give them flesh, which is what meat is, flesh. By the way, you know that can of chili con carne? You know what carne means, right? Carnal. Fleshly. You're eating chili with flesh. So bon appetit. <laughs> That's what it means. The word carnal. Fleshly. Carnality. So he says they're in their carnality wanting to eat flesh. Fine, I'll give them flesh. I'll give them meat. So here's Moses. It kind of reminds me of the disciples. He says to God, um, okay, wait a minute. God, how are you going to, how are you going to do that? All the fish, that we're able to, you know, catch and all of the, there's no way you're going to get them enough meat to eat. And God says, oh, don't worry about it. I, got, I have ways. Watch me now. Watch what I'm going to do. He says, I'm not only going to give them meat to eat for a day or a week, I'm going to give them eat meat to eat for an entire month. In fact, <laughs> you want meat, do you? I'm going to give you all the meat you could possibly eat, and it's going to be in your teeth, and you're going to have your fill of it. And it's, I'm sorry, but it's in the text. Read it for yourself. I'm not, you know, embellishing. He says, I'm going to make, I'm going to, you're going to be so full of this flesh, it's going to come out of your nostrils. <laughs> that is disgusting. Well, that's the point. You want meat? Apparently you're not satisfied with the manna. I'll give you meat to eat. I'll give you so much meat. So you know how it goes, right? You know what happens. Not, not based on a true story. This is a true story. This literally happened. All of these quail, and God has the quail within reach of the Israelites and the mixed multitudes, and they're going, yeah. And it says there was so much quail that they would not gather less than 10 homers. It's the first mention of baseball in the Bible, some believe. <laughs> That's the measurement, I'm sorry. In other words, they had plenty. And sure enough, they ate. 
Oh, wow. And then the next day, oh, wow. And then the next day, oh, wow. And then on and on and on. And finally, it's coming out of their nostrils. And the very flesh that they lusted after killed them. It ended in their own death. Now, you would think that would be bad enough, and it is. But when you get to Psalm 106, verse 15, the psalmist is recounting all of this, and he references this account in Numbers 11, and he actually adds more to it and fills in a couple of the blanks because it says that God sent them meat to eat, but sent leanness into their soul. In other words, you want meat to eat? The, the, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, which by the way, manna was a type, a picture of Jesus. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And apparently that's not good enough. You're not satisfied. You lust after more. So I'll give it to you. I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, the Spirit of God does not strive with man forever. God's never going to force us into obedience. He's not going to force us to obey Him. I mean, at some point, it's like in Romans 1, it's a chilling chapter. It's a very apropos chapter for where we're at in the world today. But God just says, you know, He's going to give them over. It's not, it's not that you know, they don't stand a chance. I mean, if you misunderstand that, you would think God is being unjust and unfair. What he's saying is, you know, you're lusting after, you know, someone of the same sex as you, woman for woman, and man for man, you're burning for each other, lusting for each other. At some point, God just says, okay, have it your way. You know, I mean, it's not like he's not putting up the stops, the warnings, but he just gives them over and says, okay, I've given you your own free will, your own choice, your own sovereignty over your own self. So if that's your decision, your heart is hardened and your neck is stiffened, then okay. And he gives them over to it. And when that happens, you can be so full of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, but proportionate to how you fill yourself with that, you will be lean, starving in your soul. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Ecclesiastes can seem daunting at first, but once you understand the heart behind the writer, it becomes inspiring. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you hold close to your heart. If you find the material things are closer to your heart than Jesus, be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. He's faithful and He'll meet you where you're at. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. 
You were never meant to do life alone. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from Ecclesiastes right here on In Spirit and Truth.